Hi, this is David Edelstein, film critic for NPR's Fresh Air and New York Magazine, and you are listening to Mad About Movies. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. You realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Mad About Movies is your go-to podcast for all things cinema. Every week we talk movie news, movie rumors, and movie rumblings, and break down a movie of the week. Don't worry if you haven't seen it, because we will warn you, of course, before we head into spoiler territory. Please stay tuned till the end for weekly recommends in which each of us suggests something that you need to check out as soon as possible. And remember, you can find all of our episodes on our website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. This week's movie of the week... Is what, Brian? This week we're talking about Christopher Nolan's Interstellar. This world's a treasure. It's been telling us to leave for a while now. Your daughter's generation will be the last to survive on Earth. You're the best pilot we ever had. Get out there and save the world. Everybody ready to say goodbye to our solar system? To our galaxy. Here we go. This only marks the second time in the history of the Mad About Movies podcast that we've all three seen a movie together. I know. Big doings. Thanks. Shout out to Alamo Drafthouse in Richardson, yeah. Texas, for, uh, for hosting us, as yep. it were. Yep. They, uh, they roped off the VIP section for us. <laughs> Velvet roped off, I should uh, yeah. add. Yeah. And uh, had an awesome time at the, uh, at the premiere party a few nights ago. A 35-millimeter projection of uh interstellar and it was good to see you guys it was it was quite romantic or bromantic i should say we all held hands richard's girlfriend was really uncomfortable (laughs) (laughs) us three we didn't really get to talk much about the movie or at all about the movie afterwards we kind of saved it for the podcast so here we are so made the drive home kit demanded silent yeah Yeah. it was just quiet kit was just like don't say anything about the movie that's actually it was the opposite i was the only one who said (laughs) what i thought of it but this is going to be a fun conversation. Uh, yeah. I still don't know what you guys thought, and I sat next to you at the theater. So we're going to break the news uh, to you, each other and to the listener tonight, sure. and I'm really excited about it. Spoiler and this is one of, the few, one of the few episodes that we're going to have available uh, the day the movie goes wide release. So Yeah, very cool. Uh, hopefully a lot of people are going out on Friday and then listening to the podcast yeah. right afterward. So. Uh, spoiler alert! I I loved the cookies at Alamo Draft House. So oh just, yes. Oh, I know, man. I was so mad because uh, I only ate two of the three, mm. and then I got home and realized I'd left a cookie there. <laughs> and I'm normally no cookies left behind. And uh, <laughs> those were you actually have that tattooed, don't you? On the- yeah, <laughs> on my neck. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then it's right just next the- to one that says, "I live my life a quarter mile at a time." Yeah, <laughs> and next to the other one with a picture of Fred Durst that said, "I did it all for the cookie." <laughs> Right. Uh, it's actually Cookie Monster wearing a backwards yeah. Fred Durst hat. <laughs> Just uh, fully but, committed. Yeah. Eyes no, dilated. Sorry. No, those cookies were delightful. Mm-hmm. I didn't know you got them too. Yep. I got the ice cream sandwich. So it was two Ooh. cookies with ice cream in between. Perfect. And I can't complain. They do it right at Alamo Draft House, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Everything is perfect at Alamo. Gotta be the gotta be the best place. And we're not sponsored by them, by the way, yet. Yeah. Uh, but it's gotta be the best place I've been to watch a movie. Best experience. It is I've awesome. been to a lot of nicer places, but not as cozy as Alamo is. Yeah. You know what there's, I mean? There's there's a certain charm to it, definitely. Exactly. 
So before we talk Interstellar, guys, uh, let's. There's no shortage of movie news uh, to talk about that broke earlier today. So let's dive into a little bit of movie news, rumors, and rumbling. Movie news, yes. rumors, and rumbling. That's awesome. Let the filibustering begin. We did get some Star Wars news. We are the official podcast of Star Wars. Yes. Uh, and uh, so this today, just this afternoon, this very afternoon, it was released that Star Wars Episode Seven will be titled Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. Interesting. Yeah. Exciting. My, though. Yeah. My my first choice would have been Skywalker versus Solo, but Skywalker, Skywalker v, v Solo. Solo. Excuse there me. The lawsuit. Uh, the yeah. galactic lawsuit. But, uh, <laughs> Force Awakens is what we've what we've got. Chewbacca on the witness stand. What if it was Star Wars well, Episode Seven: The Galactic Lawsuit? <laughs> yes, exactly. There you go. <laughs> I'm just upset. the uh, The title also had nothing to do with midichlorians. Like maybe the midichlorians <laughs> awaken. Uh, maybe this is J.J. Abrams' stab at George Lucas to say the Force Awakens. Like this is the the first movie that the Force actually means something. Maybe. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, what if they pull like a uh, you know X Men this this most recent X Men just basically erased the Brian Singer uh, yes. entry in, in the franchise? What if he does something like that and just totally like oh by the way Mini Clorians bullcrap totally not true just just pulling your leg on that yeah. one just really takes that out of the canon altogether. I'm 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 for that is what I'm saying. Of all the bad stuff in the in the uh, in the prequels. Uh, I think midichlorians is, in my opinion, most offensive thing. I don't that happened uh, in the, know what uh, that is. I've seen all the movies, but I so I'm basically, Richard. Here's what happened, and uh, here's the here's the the short version of the midichlorian story. So in the in the first Star Wars movie, uh, A New Hope, basically when Luke asks Obi Wan, "What is the Force?" Obi Wan's like. Uh, it's the force of the universe. It binds us, penetrates us. It holds us together. It's the infinite force of, you know, basically, basically God. Yeah. And, uh, it's as accessible to you as it is to I. Um, Yeah. It's, it's mystical. It's spiritual. It's, it's the whole, the whole thing, which is great. And if you as a Jedi are in touch with that spiritual side of the, of the galaxy or universe, you, uh, I mean, your power is unlimited, but so here come the prequels. Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan go find Anakin Skywalker and they insist on a blood sample so that they test his blood and his his blood is high in midichlorian count which means he's more he's more able to become a Jedi faster or better than people with low midichlorian uh, count so they yeah. ma- they basically make being or having the ability of the force a genetic gotcha uh, like and is that is that trait? test covered by the HMO? Or <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. If your metachlorine count is below fifty, you have to pay an extra hundred bucks. So it takes on. it from sort of the metaphysical to the genetic. Genetic. Basically. Okay. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so yep. just okay. negates all spirituality uh, or faith that's involved in the force. Okay. Um, so the Force Awakens, Episode Seven. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they how they interpret the force in the new one. I'm excited about it though. Yeah, definitely. Same. And it seems like a fitting title. It's yeah, it's it good. rolls off the tongue. It's fine. I, I'm not it's somebody good. who gets worked up about titles unless it's Batman v Superman. Unless uh, it's Attack of the Clones. Yeah, yeah. Or not uh, good. Phantom not Menace. Good. I was too young to understand that that was bad at the time. Like I was I'm just like, it's a Star Wars movie, and the and, Phantom Menace is not. Phantom Menace a bad is fine. Yeah, I'm okay context. with that one. 
yeah. got some it's got some scariness to it. I like it. Yeah. Attack of the Clones is a terrible title. Um Attack but- of the Clones, I think, was George Lucas's just because he based Star Wars or the idea for Star Wars on like Flash Gordon and yeah, Buck yeah. Rogers and it's it's Cold I think it shows homage yeah. to that. Yeah. Yeah, it it was, and it's totally out of place in that kind of <laughs> That kind of setting. You <laughs> Especially know? when there's like, no attacking of clones going on in yeah, the movie. Um, uh, exactly. Yeah, if, just, if you want to do that, then you you should have created a, a cartoon series or something. Yeah. Like a bunch of Michael you know. Keaton's come out. Which he did. <laughs> Called the Clone Wars. <laughs> First multiplicity joke on the pod. Nice. I got, nice. That's 30 bucks. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised it hasn't come up before with all the Michael Keaton conversations we've had in the past. I, I forgot about multiplicity until like this weekend, and then I was like, oh, yeah, that was a thing. <laughs> so, another big announcement happened today, and this one took me by surprise a little bit, but actually, not so much the more I thought about it. So, we got confirmation that Toy Story 4 is happening and it will be released June 16th, 2017. And uh, will be directed by John Lasseter, uh, the director of the original Toy Story. And uh, took me by surprise just because I didn't know how fast they would pull that card. And it was sooner than I thought. Yeah. Uh, I thought maybe the Finding Nemo sequel in 2016 uh, would hold them off for a few years to mm. not have to do a, a Toy Story. But they must have something really good in place already to go ahead and pull the trigger on this now. What what have y'all heard about it? And what are your thoughts on it? It's odd that I'll start off that Rashida Jones, the actress producer, um, is writing it. Uh, mm-hmm. That just seemed like a really not a bad is choice. She's the only it's writer, just, or it's her and her writing partner. Okay, um, but they apparently helped break the story, and then they're they're writing the screenplay. The story the story was broken by story was thought of by you know the the normal guys, uh, Lassiter and and others, and then they just brought an old. Rashida Jones, I guess she's like the new Aaron Sorkin. You just bring in to do. I don't know. It's it's just so out of the box. It's not bad at all. She's yeah. awesome, but it's just like <laughs> if you had me, if you gave me a thousand guesses as to who was writing Toy Story four, I would not guess Rashida Jones. <laughs> sure, ever. So cool for her. Great opportunity. Should be interesting. Yeah. No, I'm I I'm excited about it. I love Toy Story. I love Toy Story two. I I really love Toy Story three. These are all Toy Story was one of my ten favorite movies of all time. These are all very good films. Some of them great. I think Toy Story for me, Toy Story two is the weakest of the three, and it's an A movie. So I don't know. I I I, I understand that people want original films, but. Uh, I retweeted uh, Peter Scaretta from from Slash Film, who, who said something like, uh, "It's it's strange seeing people complain about Toy Story four when they were all about the the, the previous movies. It basically sequels aren't always a bad thing, and I I totally agree with that. I, you know, look in a in an ideal world, we would always just get uh, an original film from each studio. They would all just be producing original films, but that's not the world that we live in. And if you're going to, if you're going to have sequels and prequels and remakes and all this sort of thing, I would like this to be one of the ones that's included. This franchise is a, this is a great movie franchise. And, uh, so I'm, I'm thrilled. I, I'm totally thrilled. I have no problem with having more Toy Story in my life. <laughs> and let's not forget too, they're, they're, they're putting at the next two movies, They've got two coming out next year, and they're both original films. So, uh, for, from Pixar, so it's not like they're just going straight back to the well over and over and over again. Uh, you know, I, look, come up with original stuff, great, but you you did come up with something wholly original and have 
I think done two very, very, very good plays off of that that both still felt original while being in the same universe. So good for you. Let's do it again. I'm good with that. The Toy Story franchise just lends itself to so much pop culture significance. The way that they can bring new toys in every time. Mm -hmm. uh, And you almost capture a new generation every time you do that, you know, and I'm I'm on board with the fact that more Toy Story is just a better thing for everybody. I mean, who doesn't want more Toy Story in their life? I mean, let's be real. Totally. Um, I mean, they've got to get started on this pretty fast. 2017. I mean, they got to at least start recording the voices here in the next couple of months. So. Hopefully they have. I mean, seriously. I mean, hopefully they yeah, have something I know. It together. Takes, it takes forever. It takes yeah. it's going to take a while to animate this one. I'm sure, but right. I I don't think Rashida will be the sole writer. I've looked at all the other Toy Story films, and each of them have like seven writers. Yeah, <laughs> credited. Yeah, it's, a, it's a well, they go so. process. Yeah, they go story, and then they they, they have like all of them have like four story and four screenplay. Yeah. credits. Right uh, now, it's just yeah. announced. It's her and this guy. She wrote that. Um, uh, I forgot what it was called. She did a romantic comedy a couple years ago that she wrote. And uh, they said they were hiring them to write the screenplay so that the story people could focus on production. It's the article I read. But I think you're right. I think when it comes out, it'll be like an eight deep, you know, written by uh, credit. Interesting fact, Joss Whedon screenplay credit on original Toy Story. Yeah. yeah. That'll, that'll be one we have to keep an eye on because well, details will be coming out uh, in, the, yeah. in the next few weeks. Um, there's one other bit of movie news we should talk about before we get into this interstellar conversation. Last podcast, we briefly talked about Bale's exit of the Steve Jobs movie. Uh, we, we said that Bale left, um, left the movie, and we had rumors about Rogan joining the movie. The day after that we recorded the show, posted it, rumors swirled around that Michael Fassbender had uh, accepted the role of Steve Jobs. Mm. And um, it's a name that I wouldn't, wouldn't have brought up. Uh, but it makes a lot of sense the more I think about it. So are you any more excited for a Fassbender-starred Jobs than a Bale-starred Jobs uh, at this point in time? I mean, I think that's pretty – when you lose Bale, I think if you get Fassbender, that's a pretty big get after that, sure. you know, uh, as far as talent. what are, What's your opinion on that, Brian? I'm a fan of both of those guys, and uh, you're right. I think Bale was was maybe the perfect choice to to do it, and and then DiCaprio might have been right after that. But Fassbender is very talented. I'm more more than anything. I'm interested to see Fassbender work with Sorkin, just doing that kind of dialogue, yeah. uh, which we haven't you know we haven't seen him do before, and and that will be to me that's the most interesting aspect of of this whole thing. Having seen the the very not good Ashton Kutcher jobs biopic like i i i kind of get the story you know i, I don't know that this is going to bring to light so i know i know it's a different thing uh based on the the keynotes uh, and the uh the development the across the three different time frames and all that sort of stuff so i know it's a different thing but i'm kind of fine with where i'm at as far as like having seen steve jobs on the screen i'm i'm more interested in how uh, Sorkin can use Fassbender and and vice versa in this sort of setting more than more than the subject matter, I guess. Yeah, personally, yeah. Richard, yeah, no, I think you know that's a um, a name that didn't occur to any of us, and uh, yeah. it's it's uh, certainly a, a wonderful you know that's those two actors I think to me are, are peers. And aside from each other, they have very few other peers. So it's, it's you know, when you hear Bale drops out, you kind of sink your head because, oh, gosh, who are they going to get that's good as Christian Bale? 
oh yeah, Michael Fassbender is you know he exists, and so uh, that's that's good. <laughs> that's good news, right? Um, yeah, yeah. It's 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 very kind of not someone you would think of, but then once you think of it, you go, oh yeah, because he you know he's one. Of, there's very few people in in that world, uh, in the world of acting that uh, you kind of trust them to do anything. There's such incredible. Not so much actors, but just like presences. I think Steve Jobs definitely requires a presence on screen. Yeah, and, right. uh, yeah. He totally has that. So I'm, yeah, I'm just as excited for that as I I, I am for Bale, or was for Bale. So uh, yeah, great news for me. I was I was pumped. That kind of like saved the movie again. It's a, it's a movie that's had a lot of development issues. So once you hear that, it's kind of solidified. You're like, okay, well I'm ready. To, I'm excited to see this now. So exciting news on that front. A little bit. It was a little bit depressing the fact that Bale left. So we have something at least to look forward to uh, with that movie now. So I just wanted to ask you guys one more thing before we move on to our review. A few weeks ago, we did our TV pilots episode, our annual TV pilots episode. I just wanted to ask each of you: Have you watched any of the uh, any of the pilots since then? Have you kept up with any of them? That we're now we're now almost a month removed. Sure, like shows that have we kept watching yeah. shows and stuff like that. Yeah, I have a few. My wife really likes Blackish, um, and so and I I like it. I don't love it, but I it's one that we can watch together. So I've stuck with that. Marry me. I've been watching Marry Me. Marry Me's yeah, really to. like Marry Me a lot. Um, I really I I still surprised, and I'm sure you guys haven't watched it, but I still I really like Jane the Virgin. I'm I'm I'm. It really got a impressed. it got a full season order. I it did, it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm very impressed with what it's been able to do. I'm still recording Grace Point, but I'm not going to watch it until I've got them all. Uh, I just feel like it's going to be a binge sort of show. I'm still going with Gotham, and I watch it every week, but it's it teeters on the edge every week for me of of whether I'm I'm going to come back or not. Same with me. And people seem to really like it. They like love Jada yeah. Pinkett, and it's just kind of oh, like for me, it's I not doing she, much more. Yeah, I and I think she's, she's by far the worst part. Yeah, yeah. she drives me insane. And I'm I'm with I like the Flash. I missed an episode of that, and the CW is much more difficult to like get there. They don't have it on demand or anything like that, at least on Directv. So they just I, got one on Time Warner, like literally okay. last week. So you so might be I, in for one soon. Sweet. I need to get on the website and see uh, if I can. I've missed. I think I've missed two episodes, and I have like two recorded that are straddling those. You know, it's like. Uh, so I, but I really like that show and it's, it's a, that one is like the direct opposite of Gotham where it's just, it, it's a much, it's a fun show. It's really enjoyable. Um, and, and so I think it has, for me at least has more longevity, uh, than, than Gotham does. Gotham needs to turn the corner fast or, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop it. Richard, you kept up with any? Just marry me and Gotham on occasion. Um, I probably missed, I'm probably too behind on Gotham. Um, my girlfriend though is is super into um, uh, how to get away with murder, so that one's on a lot. Ah. Um, but that's that's it. Yeah, I haven't really kept up with with him uh, at all. I've uh, I've watched a few episodes of Mulaney since uh, yeah. since the pilot. That one's teetering on the edge of of cancellation. So <laughs> I figured I'd give him ratings yeah. while he can get them. Uh, I want the best for him, really. I want the best for everybody involved in that show. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to last long. It's the writing's kind of on the wall at this point. So I'm basically recording just because I love Mulaney himself. And so I just feel like I need to, uh, to give him my vote, but it's, my vote is not mattering. (laughs) Brian, I, I must ask you, 
Yeah. Uh, you're known to be into shows for you say no reason, such as Grimm, sure. such as Bones, such as uh-huh. Castle. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Are any of these shows uh, on that level for you that you're probably going to watch every episode, even though you actively dislike watching them? <laughs> <laughs> no, it takes like I won't do that forever. The deal is like Bones and Castle both were. I'll stand behind Grimm. I like Grimm. Grimm is it's it's kind it's ridiculous and it's very it's a little bit pulpy, but it's but it's fun. And I uh, Flash is kind of that way. So I'm okay with that. Bones and Castle both were at very at the very least summertime enjoyable binge watching in their first three seasons or whatever, you know. And then it's then it gets to a point where I've I've invested so much time in it that I stick with it. I dropped Bones this year uh, just because I I hate it so much and I hate they they killed off a character the only character that I actually cared about and I just said okay that's that's a good enough excuse for me to quit. I keep hoping that Castle will also kill off a character that I like just so that I will have another excuse. Um, but no, not really. I, I continue to record Scorpion and it continues yeah, to I was gonna say worse. I was going to say of all the ones this year, I figured Scorpion would be the one that yeah, took that spot for you. Yeah, it's – I'm probably – I'm going to – here's the – I'm going to stick with it through the season – um, it, it continues to get worse, like more CBS each week. So that's yeah. not great, but, and this is really weird, but I have a, for if and our listeners don't know, I have an 18 month old kid. He loves Scorpion. Like he just locks in. I don't know why it, it's, I don't know what it is, but he can totally tell the difference between it and just about anything else that I'm watching. So there's always like, any, sh- it's the same as with like music. When you have a kid, there's like a certain amount of, You'll put up with I'll put up with Scorpion because it's something that he can watch and it's not going to freak him out. <laughs> You're being serious, right? I, I'm, I'm 100 percent serious. Something about my 18 month old can watch. I know, Scorpion but he knows, he, the thing is, he he's at an age where he, <laughs> he certainly d- doesn't know what's happening. I know you're being serious. It's just funny when it you is, say it out so, loud. I, I totally get it, but like <laughs> I can't watch The Walking Dead with him in the room, or yeah. even like Sons of Anarchy. That's more drama driven and violent than it is like you know, gory and graphic and things like that. Um, he, he notices those things and gets scared or, you know, he's just staring. It's just weird to be watching like game of Thrones and he's literally just staring at the TV. You know what I mean? So Scorpion is this, it, for whatever reason, he locks in on it and he will, he will watch 30 out of 40 minutes. Um, as opposed to most other things where he just goes off. And, and when you're, when you, (laughs) when you're a parent, there is a certain threshold of stupid that you will put up with if it will keep you from having to watch Curious George again, you know? So right. Scorpion uh, Scorpion occupies this strange space where I don't really like it, but for whatever reason, my, my toddler does, and, and thus we have something that we can watch together where, you know, he's not getting scarred to, for life and I'm not wanting to, to choke myself with, uh, due to all the cartoony stuff. Well, it sounds like CBS is really nailing that six to eighteen month old demographic. <laughs> I know, right? With Scorpion. Yeah. They're tr- so. they've they've got the forty nine and up and the four and under. <laughs> yeah, crowd, so. the, the key demos there. That's what you want. Yeah. Okay, guys. I just wanted to get a l- update on that. We'll yeah. maybe in a couple months come back and see sure. and check up on that. Uh, but guys, without further ado, let's move on and let's talk about Interstellar. 
you might have to decide between seeing your children again and the future of the human race. We'll find a way who we always have. Who wants to go first? Uh, Brian, you go first. Okay. This is a very divisive film. It's been really interesting reading reviews and watching Rotten Tomatoes and, and all of that stuff. Um, and I think it, it's funny that Rotten Tomatoes is like right around the 75% fresh rating right now. And of the four, we went together with the, with a group of four and three out of the four of us, I think really, really liked it. And one, and one didn't. So, uh, that kind of, I think that's kind of funny, but I get why this is going to be a divisive film for a lot of people. I will say this. I don't get where outright hate comes from, which I've seen a lot across the internet, whether it's Rotten Tomatoes or uh, even our friend uh, Sean O'Connell, who, who was on the show last year or earlier this year. I don't, I don't see that. Like you can tell me that you don't, that you, you don't dig it, that it's not working for you, that it's a mess, whatever you want to say. But I feel like you have to acknowledge that in whatever the flaws are, and there's a bunch, and I'm sure we'll hit on all of them, but uh, this is a very ambitious film, and it's it's trying to do something, and it's at least trying to, to matter. And there's – I don't think you can – I don't know how anyone can come out of this movie and not recognize some really tremendous work. And maybe that stuff is just overshadowed by the bad and you, you know, that's, that's just how it's going to be. And that's, that's totally fine. And everybody's entitled to their, their opinion and all that sort of thing. But, uh, I don't get coming out and just, just trashing it. Um, for me personally, this is, I, this is my number one movie of the year. I just have been stoked about this, beyond belief since the first little teaser trailer came out chris nolan plus matthew mcconaughey plus science and 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 uh space and all that sort of stuff that's just like a dream come true for me uh from a film standpoint so i was very hyped about it i'm not going to tell you that it lived up to the hype because i i think by the time we finally got to it i had i wanted it to be a masterpiece on the level of like, we have never seen this sort of filmmaking before. And it's, this is one of the greatest movies of all time. And I don't, it's not, it's not one of the greatest movies of all time. Um, but I did connect with it on a many levels. I was very, very impressed with it across several different aspects of, of filmmaking from the technical side to the visual side to the, I liked the story, and I think that may be where we get the most debate uh, going here on the podcast. But I bought the story. I'm with it. I thought we saw it almost a little over 24 hours ago, and I've thought about it more and more since then. I'm going to go see it again this weekend and, and maybe again next week. I I walked out thinking I really liked that, and I'm at the point now where I, 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 I'm fully committed to just say, you know what? I love this, I love this movie, flaw, flaws and all. Richard Barton. I, I we went to this movie as well, and and I should set this up by saying I I'm, I'm normally very adverse, um, due to probably some severe emotional issues of my own, <laughs> to uh, kind of sentimentality and uh, and uh, the type of things that this movie is getting derided for. Um, I don't like kind of forced sentimental moments. It's it's not a movie that that would be very much in my wheelhouse, aside from the fact that no one's doing it, and there's some philosophy to it, which I'm always down with. Um, but I, all that being said, I, I, I'm with Brian. I, re, I really like this movie as well. 
Um, really enjoyed it. I and, and there's a lot of errors with it, and um, probably some plot holes the more I watched it. But I think you know dwelling on that is um, <laughs> is you know dealing with mitochondrion or mitochondrion instead of the force <laughs> i guess it's it's yeah. it's uh you know if you deal with this on more of like a kind of a um on an emotional or spiritual or metaphysical level yeah. the movie works a lot better whereas you try to uh make it too logical obviously there's going to be some errors um but i thought some of the science was at least interesting and thought-provoking you know yes. um the relativity concept i know groundbreaking stuff you know einstein like 70 years ago but to my stupid brain was, you know, it's not something I think about a whole lot. And, uh, and, uh, I thought it was shot very well from just like a cinematography standpoint. I really enjoyed it. It was grand. It was loud. Um, I don't know if it was just our theater, but it was just so loud and it just felt epic, um, yeah. in a lot of ways. And, uh, I, I loved anytime they went through the warmed hole. It just looked fantastic. I can't wait to see it in IMAX. I'm probably going to go see it in IMAX in the next week. Um, just cause I j- literally just for like the wormhole scenes. So uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought there were some pretty impressive performances in it, some some so-so performances in it just from an acting standpoint. Um, but I don't think anyone – I didn't find anyone to be terribly bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm pretty sensitive to that. So I'm not going to say I'm not wrong because maybe someone could – wasn't affected by performances. But I'm normally really nitpicky of acting and I, I wasn't – I didn't have any issue with it. So uh, – uh, and then, you know, in the last act and we'll save spoilers because it's a pretty spoiler-heavy movie. Um, it went in a direction that I didn't at all see it going, and I I was kind of the little MacGuffin worked on me, I guess, and yeah. uh, I thought it was a, a thought provoking movie. And if you if you take it just as that and and just try to deal with a, an entertaining big movie, I I think it was it was pretty flawlessly done. I I really enjoyed it. But Kent, what about you, man? Yeah, there are so many things. There are so many concepts to analyze, I guess. Or that, that one could analyze with this. And I won't go too into detail on all of them because we would be here all night if we want to discuss all of them. But I will say that I, I I admire a lot about this movie. And I can see a lot of significance here. And I will say that I didn't even I – did, I did not read the reviews before we uh, we got here. Just one of our friends – as we mentioned, who was on a pod, our podcast uh, earlier this year, I saw what he thought, but I didn't. I didn't go on Rotten Tomatoes. I didn't. I didn't see. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an interesting score that you mentioned earlier of seventy percent because I liked probably seventy five percent of this movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, like you also said, uh, Brian. There's so much ambition here as well, yeah. uh, and I think you you sort of put yourself into a corner as a filmmaker when you name your film Interstellar. And uh, the, when you, with the trailers you show about uh, this is mankind has uh, basically this is why we we're here. We're, this is uh, our last hope for humanity and all this all this big blockbuster stuff. Um, you have to live up to a lot. So I understand uh, people's you know preconceived notions of what they expected or wanted this to be. It just it's just sloppily put together at moments. Uh, I, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating that there were moments of this where I was watching it and was like, this is some of the best stuff I've ever seen on screen. Seriously. Five minutes of this movie is a masterpiece. <laughs> like, and it's, it's, um, it's disappointing that what, what, what part specifically took, uh, I really liked 
it's not really a spoiler, but I really enjoy the scene where after McConaughey stumbles upon NASA, which we'll talk about later, mm-hmm. uh, as, as they're explaining the mission to him, mm-hmm. I thought that was super interesting. And, yeah. and it, it was a great blend of, of science and, um, you know, I guess science fiction, fiction. Yeah. as well. <laughs> and I really enjoy that scene. And I really enjoy the scene of them actually traveling into the singularity. I thought that was, that was, uh, well done. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, there were parts of it that I could see were well thought out, well constructed, but there are some, the, the way that they get there is what, is what annoyed me. First of all, the first act felt like the happening or something to me. It was like strange things are happening and nobody knows why. And, uh, and we, we see dust gather in a room and somehow that means to drive to some somewhere, which happens to be NASA. Luckily NASA is within driving distance of his little farm there. I don't understand how, Dust equaled directions. Does that make sense? Equaled coordinates. It was binary, uh, and he translated it into coordinates. Into uh, was it like longitude, longitudinal coordinates, or something? Sure. Translate. I, I just didn't understand how they translated the message into directions, and then they found NASA, and then all of a sudden McConaughey shows up at NASA, and now the mission is on. Like, wh- what were they going to do if McConaughey didn't show up at NASA? Or if the if the dust didn't lead him to NASA, like sure. they made it seem like the entire mission was in his hands from the beginning. But why didn't they just recruit him in the first place? I didn't understand sure. that. So I, I I mean the reason for him going into space in the first place was kind of wonky. I um, think a lot of that was for time, though. You're already looking at a three hour movie. I, I agree with you. They they should have cleaned that up a little bit. It should have um, it should have been, in my opinion. Okay, it's basically the Dust Bowl times a hundred now on Earth. We're all screwed. Uh, oh, you're a former astronaut? Hey, can you come help us? Because we're all screwed. That's all you had to do. and not yeah. it, it didn't have to be this supernatural phenomenon that led him to go into space. Sure. So uh, I knew that would come into play later in the movie, which it did. But there's a, there's a lot of scientific, uh, there's a lot of scientific uh, theories to explore in this movie, yeah. which they did, and, and they, they respect it a lot. I really – I'm into the relativity theory. I'm into the – Multiple dimensional theory. I think that's a really interesting theory that they go more into in the second and third acts. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot to admire here, but um, some of it was just was just silly uh, at times, and that that was my only like it. It didn't stick to science, and it didn't stick to silly. It was sort of this sort of straddle the line there. So I didn't really know when to take it serious at times and when to just sit back and be like. Wait, is this a blockbuster? Is am I? Is this? Is it, is it supposed to mean more than just what I'm seeing on screen? You know, like it, is the message? Is this trying to be 2001: A Space Odyssey, or is this right. trying to be Alien? Does sure. that make sense? Sure. Uh, yeah. it's is totally it trying to be significant? Sure. Yeah. yeah. And so I get that. I, I still don't. I still don't. I can't decide. But um, like I said, 75 percent of this was was really good. Um, Christopher Nolan knows how to make a movie. Yeah. Um, but I mean, having said that, sometimes you just get Christopher Nolanisms for the whole movie. Uh, a lot of, I mean, like we talked about in Inception, half the movie is just them explaining the plot of the movie. 
Uh, we get we get some of that here. Uh, we get characters that are there to explain the plot and stuff. But I will say, what I didn't expect was for the emotional scenes to work as well as they did on me. Yeah, personally, yeah. I think uh, I think the story with Murph, his daughter, McConaughey's daughter, how they worked relativity and the theory of relativity into that storyline. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a stroke of genius, and um, how well did, I, know, I know that probably worked really well on you guys. Um, yeah. But was that your favorite part of the movie? Was the the actual, I guess, uh, family story, underlying I, family story? For, yeah, for me, it was a it was a two part. I love this. Was the I, I I I'm with you. I thought the emotional aspect worked really well, and and I get that that's not always going to work for for everybody, but I thought he hit that quite well and it's probably a little heavy early on but i think it more than pays off as the film goes which is that's what you want really um i i dug that a lot and i but i also i was i am completely until i can't wait to go back and watch this again because of because of the visuals because especially seeing it in 35 millimeter it just doesn't look like anything that i've seen in 30 years you know anything that's come out in 30 years it looked so good and the space stuff including even the things of like just cutting out all sound whenever they're shooting the outside of the excuse me of the 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 ship and all that sort of stuff was so cool and traveling into the anomaly and uh and the all that sort of stuff i was blown away with but yes the emotional aspect of it the just at a very base level, this guy is just trying to get home to his kids. Is uh, that's an easy thing for me? I always relate to that sort of uh, that that trope or that character piece or whatever you want to call it. Um, that's always something that that hits home with me. It's interesting, Kent, that you brought up the happening, which is a horrible, horrible, terrible movie. <laughs> um, but I was thinking of that like as the movie was going on. It's like this feels a lot like. The happen like before we know what what happens in the happening or what is going on. Sure. It's just this building up. Like it, it felt very Shyamalanian. Yes, and that, that's what I was going to say. I, to me, uh, it 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 brought up a lot of of uh, similarities to another Shyamalan movie, which Signs. which I uh, love. Yeah. Signs, yeah. yeah. Which Signs, yeah, I I am a huge Signs fan, and I feel like it is criminally underrated. And the reason being because it's not about aliens. It's not an alien movie, which it was billed as. It's it's a movie that's about faith and about family and and trying to bring those two things together and wrestling with humanity. And it just happens to take place in the midst of an alien invasion. I love Signs. I got a lot of that from from Interstellar. And and, and let's be honest, this is a movie that borrows heavily from heavily from a a lot of other sources, whether it's two thousand one or. Uh, signs or you know literature. I mean, it, it's there's nothing. There's very little here that's that's new or or unique. I think the the brilliance is in the the way it's all tied together. Because I think that's I think that's where its ambitions really lie is taking a lot of things that you you've seen glimpses of this before and and maybe full out shots of it before uh, in various things, but taking that putting together is is quite a quite a task. Uh, and I. I think that's what I think that's where Nolan's true genius within this film really really lies for me anyway. Yeah, Richard, any thoughts on that? No, no, with you, I, I, I've 
you know, I had heard some some rumblings about how sentimental it is, and it had kind of turned my brain off to it. And it was pleasantly surprised that a lot of that, maybe I'm just getting old, worked for me. And in the family story, especially, and I thought the young actress uh, that played young Murph, um, that was later played, by, I thought she gave a great performance. That Jessica Chastain um, was good, but that's you know expected at this point. Yeah. Uh, but kind of the uh, the terrestrial story, uh, the the Earth story, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it definitely. I think some of those Shamalama ding dong feelings, <laughs> it just aesthetically kind of looked like signs and like yeah. the happening in a way, the way it had kind of nature turning, and you know just that sort of modern dust bowl look, and so I I totally understand that, like especially aesthetically, and that definitely. A, it brings up some good feelings with with signs, and it brings up some definite warning signs in the back of your brain for the happening. But you know, no Wahlberg. So, mm-hmm. hey, hey, doing corn? You gonna die? You gonna die soon? <laughs> hey, hey, goat. <laughs> What's up, dirt? You're blowing really hard. Why you gonna have to have a dirt storm? Why not a thunderstorm? That'd be nice. It wasn't just um, a, it wasn't just but, aesthetically that it felt like Shyamalan to me. It was the it was the whole first act with just the. It's a ghost in my room, honey. There is no ghost in your room. Yeah. Here, take this watch and we'll be together forever as we look at these watch. You know, it just felt, those felt, that felt like something Shyamalan told Christopher Nolan about or that he co wrote or something. You know, it just, I don't know. It just just had that feeling to me. Sure. Part of that, I'm not saying it was at all intentional because there's some of that that's iffy at best, but. It does give this. I think the plainness of the dialogue and the and maybe I'm just inventing this, making excuses. But the plainness of the dialogue and the plainness of the aesthetic and the plainness of kind of the people, right? The the son, the young Casey Affleck and mm-hmm. John Lithgow's character, and so um, really presents a stark contrast to this otherworldly space movie you're about to go to, and it's yes. kind of setting this, you know, canvas, this blank, um, sort of boring. You know, I think it's it's partially presented to see like Matthew McConaughey is a, it's presenting character wise, like his life sucks. It's, it's not only is it, you know, the apocalypse with the earth turning on itself, but he's, he's too smart to be a farmer and he's got this dumb son and this smart daughter who he can't give a life to. And he doesn't get to have a conversation with anyone that's up to his intellectual, you know, level, unless it's his 10 year old daughter. And, you know, there's a lot of that, I think to show like, but this guy's about to go to space and it's about to be freaking awesome. Once again, that could just be making excuses, but I—that's how I felt. Like I, it was supposed you. to beat yeah. you over the head, like this sucks, and and he's got to get out of this somehow. So, yeah. Um, but you're right. Some the watch, especially, was mighty convenient. Kent, you're you're yeah. right, right there, and uh, a couple other things were, were convenient. But I I did I wasn't confused by the the map thing because it looked like they were it was binary, giving him the coordinates, and you know they they went to the coordinates on the map and and found the uh, the NASA thing. So. Um, was was I the only one that was that was offended that McConaughey's character didn't hesitate at all about going to space? <laughs> yeah, you know, he just was like, "Sorry, kids, see you later," you know, and it just went to space. Uh, like, like you would rather go to space and and do that just at as a chance of saving people, you know, hundred after your kids are dead, who's your who you're basically saving, and uh, instead of dying with your family, you know. I didn't. Yeah, he missed. I mean, it told. was not like his mom was there and his dad was about to die, you know. Uh, yeah. So he just sort of let. I mean, I guess that's part of the 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 character flaw that he overcomes later in the movie. 
But um, he was basically just like, sorry, guys, I found NASA and I'm, I'm leaving. Goodbye. And, mm. you know, uh, I like that he wasn't trained at all either. I mean, he had had some astronaut training in the past, but he basically, the way the movie is presented, at least, like, he drives What do you mean? He was truck. trained. Didn't you see him land that drone with his laptop? <laughs> and then, oh, God. <laughs> and then he uh, just immediately, like, drives off in the truck and then 10, 9. Yeah. It's like, yeah. whoa, these must be in great shape. Yeah. That was the other <laughs> thing we talked about. That was another just weird, like, logic. Oh, he maintained a fantastic tan, haircut, and physique. For yeah. being in space for, you know, years. <laughs> All right. We should add in the spoilers now to continue okay. this conversation. So go out and see Interstellar yeah. and uh, and listen to the rest of this podcast. If you have seen Interstellar, feel free to uh, listen to the end of our review. Yeah. And, and, and as you see it, um, this is one definitely because we are split on it. We would love emails and tweets on because we'd love to have a conversation about it and yeah. kind of get a, a feeling uh, of, of how, how our – you know, how our, our, our fan, our, I don't like saying fans, how our listeners, uh, because people may hate, listen to it, hate, listen. To it. <laughs> I um, do. Yeah. God knows I do. Uh, especially you two. There's one yeah. guy in here I really like, but, <laughs> uh, thanks man. <laughs> I, I was referring to Rob fee, uh, oh. but he, uh, no, but, uh, yeah, we would love, love your input certainly, but yeah, head into that, that sacred spoiler territory, Kent sound the buzzer. Okay. Spoilers coming up now for uh, Interstellar. So I guess we should talk about Miss Anne Hathaway. Uh, Leave it to Nolan to uh, make me somewhat bear Anne Hathaway for a movie. Uh, But (laughs) the sole purpose of her character really was just this hippie sort of love is the only thing that matters. Uh, love will get us through everything type character, which she it got it got to a point in the third act uh, and towards the end of the movie. And we'll talk about stuff, you know, uh, prior to that. But it got to the point where it was like, is is Anne Hathaway really going to be the only one that survives this thing? <laughs> is this is that where this is heading? Because I might want to just just uh, turn off my brain right now. But uh, we we get the answer later. But. What what did you think of Anne Hathaway's uh, role in this film? She was fine. I mean, I don't think any of us here are Anne Hathaway fans. I don't I don't know if that is a thing actually. Um, but Nolan is very good at. I mean, this is the second movie she's done with them, and she and she's more than bearable. She was she was totally fine in in this role. She was totally fine as uh, Catwoman in, in Dark Knight Rises, and so uh, I don't have. I have no issue with her beyond just, you know, I don't really love seeing her on screen because I feel like I have to fight back the the urge to just yell things. I, I don't know why it is about her that, that makes me feel that way. But, but yeah, she she's fine within the film and she gives an, a fine performance. Her character certainly isn't as important as McConaughey's or, or Chastain's or, you know, a couple others. But, but she, I think she serves a purpose and she's fine. She's good. It's it's a it's a role that thirty nine actresses in Hollywood could have done, though. I yeah, th- I absolutely. Feel like sure. She doesn't ruin the movie at all, and it's sad that we have to like state that. <laughs> right. She's a talented person, but she she's there's something about her, right? But uh, and and she's she's super talented, but uh, yeah, she it was a. I don't think she was asked to do too much. It's it's kind of a you know, and just go out there and get a base hit for us, and uh, right, you know, right. Chastain will come knock you home or something like that. 
And she didn't sing, which was This isn't a car. Uh yeah. No, I I appreciated um her non annoyance, so I'm glad she decided to tone it down for at least one movie. Let's let's get into more spoilery spoilery stuff. I was a little disappointed by the whole sequence of them actually traveling. It's basically stars are going crazy around them and Anna ha- and space and time all warp Anne Hathaway's hand in front of them all. And then that's basically the end of the sequence. And then there's a total Lloyd Christmas, like we're there, man moment uh, when they, when they get there. So a little, I, I thought that could have been more drawn out and more dramatic uh, the actual traveling in the in the wormhole. Uh, what did you guys think of how they depicted that, Brian? Uh, it didn't bother me. I thought it was there are definitely better space sequences within this film, but but they're really great space sequences. So uh, I didn't have I didn't have any complaint with that. And and once they started, I really enjoyed that first sequence of them uh, traveling to the first planet and the, the the relativity thing. I thought that was really cool and and. You know, certainly not original, but but still, uh, still cool and fun and interesting. If nothing else, I, I I don't know. I I had no I had no complaints on that stuff. Pretty much any time that that this film is in space, I was locked in. Um, and I'm very I'm very space oriented. I guess I'm very fascinated by and terrified, much like the ocean. Uh, I'm, I'm it's, fascinated. It's the ocean in, of of. You know, the ocean and, and, and space are similar to me. There's creatures yeah. down there we don't know about. But no, I, I'm fascinated by space, and I thought I I pretty much was locked in and and good to go anytime they were in space. I thought I thought those were some of the best. The sentimentality and the emotional stuff is great, um, but just from a, strictly from a, a, a visual standpoint and a sound standpoint, because Richard's right, it's so loud and that and that's awesome. Like it works perfectly for it. I thought all the space stuff was was great. All those sequences worked for me pretty much. Cool. Yeah, and I, I I was kind of you know confused by the um, the handshake as they're going through it, but once it kind of brings that back around at the end, that it was McConaughey kind of shaking her hand. Um, and he's in that sort of void. I was, I thought that was kind of cool. I mean, maybe I'm just cheesy, but I, I was, I was down with that. Yeah. What did you guys think of the the reveal? I guess we can, I guess we can discuss the reveal. I was not aware at all, and a hundred percent. I'm being a hundred percent honest. I was not aware at all that Matt Damon was in this movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Prior to it, same here. I, I I thought they had kept it a secret, and I thought like we were one of the first. You know, we saw it like three days before it came out. I thought we were one of the first screenings to to know that, or, or you know, I didn't hear right. anything about it. And we do a movie podcast, you know, so it's yeah. like weird. Uh, I remember reading on Wikipedia about the movie some time ago, and but I assumed he was just going to be like Congressman Number Three or something, you know, like just kind of sure. wanted to be a yeah. part of it type role. Yeah, um, I was shocked. Um, but he had a pretty big part, you know, that's a, that's a big, important part. And, uh, it's awesome. Cause I love Matt Damon. So that was one of my favorite parts, even though he was evil, Matt Damon. Right. I actually enjoy his, his purpose of the film was probably my favorite, my, my favorite, I guess, reveal, uh, the fact that he knew he was screwed. So he sent out the beacon just so somebody would come rescue him yeah. rather than sending out the beacon because his planet was habitable. 
and the look on McConaughey's face, like I came all the way out here for this, you know, sure. Uh, I, I liked that, but Brian, give your thoughts on, on the reveal there. I thought that was really cool. And, and it was a moment where you could, you could sense there was something wrong. Like you knew something was off there, what it was going to be at the, you know, I kind of thought at first, maybe the, when the, once they powered up the robot, the robot would go crazy or haywire yeah. or whatever. Um, so that's kind of where I was leaning. But as Damon is walking McConaughey, before he starts even talking, because once he starts talking, you you know something is up. But, yeah. but even before that moment, it's partly the score, but you just had this like foreboding sense of like, oh, something something bad is about to, yep. to happen here. Um, and you start to reexamine the Damon character like real fast in your brain of, okay, am I, you know, am I missing something? Uh, I thought they, I thought Nolan did a really, really good job of, of set almost like a horror movie or a thriller anyway of like setting you up to know like okay something's coming you got to be prepared but but not quite giving you that until it you know it really hits and really drops that was that was very interesting and very um not christopher nolan-y i mean again it kind of goes it's it feels shamalemalian and uh or, or or thriller and and i thought that was a, a cool touch in that that moment and I love Damon. I'm I'm always thrilled when Damon shows up, and I love that he is the type of guy that will do a 12 minute part in a three hour movie that he won't be on the poster for or build, you know, or anything like that. I think that's a he's he just seems like a guy that will do uh, whatever looks good to him, whether it's a big role or a small role or or whatever. And I and I greatly appreciate that about him. We should move on to the. I guess third act or climax mm-hmm. of the movie. Uh, this is where it really fell off for me personally. Sure. I guess when when McConaughey's character or the crew gets to their destination, he basically becomes the person that controls the bookshelf that controls the gravity on Earth. Um, I just this this just didn't work for me at all. I don't. The entire movie basically hinges on. Whether that that idea works for you or not, um, sure. for me it didn't, and I just didn't understand that at all. Was he in another dimension in on another planet that was then another wormhole to the Earth? I don't, you know, sure. you know what I'm asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think the deal is it's whatever we do know about. Uh, let me say this first to to, to tie into that. The science at work within Interstellar, I don't care how real it is or not, but I, I think it's very real to this film. And they do, I think Nolan does a great job of giving you a taste of the science of what they're going to work with and then working with it. So it kind of, he did a great job, I think, of opening, of kind of leaving it open ended of what, of not locking himself into or out of certain realities or circumstances or, or situations or whatever it may be. And a lot of sci-fi, especially when you get into time travel and, and uh, you know, relativity and all that sort of stuff, a lot of films miss on that stuff and they, they create, they have to create loopholes within their own logic. This one to me, like, I don't know what happens in a black hole. I don't know if we, if we know as a, you know, what happens in a black hole or if we theorize, whatever it may be, he, I think, the point of this one would be that once he got into the black hole, the 
you know, he they the, that scientist guy explained it on the plane with the or in on the ship, excuse me, with the pencil and the paper and all that sort of thing. It's interconnected. It's fifth dimension. All that sort of stuff, and it may all very well be gobbledygook, but it's very sophisticated and well done scientific jargon. Um, yeah, and so, I, I understand what he was saying. What he was basically saying is that instead of traveling. 20 million miles to go somewhere, you can jump in a hole right. that automatically leads from mile 10 to mile 20 million. Does that make right. sense? So yeah, you don't yeah, have yeah. to travel that, but right. you're still 20 million miles away. Uh, it, it felt like, was he on earth the whole time? I just no. don't know. Was I, I he in think, another think, dimension yeah, on I earth? Think, I don't I think dimension, parallel universe, whatever you want to term it as is probably, more true to what they're going for, what he's going for there. But the, but the gist of it is that he, he has uh, in that space, the, the, the relativity of time is, is actual and he has access to, you're seeing time um, almost like an archival system that you can, that, that in which he can visit other levels. It's not just, Looking back on it like a timeline, he's able to access the various points within the timeline. If that makes if that makes any yeah. sense, it's it's that sort of stuff that's like if you start trying to to really really think it through, whether it makes sense or not, it, it starts to be it starts to become too complex, too complicated, and, and there's definitely the more complicated it gets, uh, the more likely it is that it unravels. I think. Um, and, and for me, that's where, that's one of the ways in which the, which the movie works is that at that point it's, it's hitting you with so much, uh, so much emotion and so much sentimentality and so much like almost a little bit of shock. And and I think you notice like it's, it, the pace speeds up in that setting as well. I think the idea is here's what we've got who knows if any of this is true or real. And if you start peeling back layers, you're going to discover that none of this really makes any sense because we can't make sense of that sort of thing. And so just, I think it's something where you kind of, you're, you're right. Can't what you said, you kind of have to accept what's happening there and just go with it. Um, and I think for me at least, and, and I, I'm going to, I'm not going to speak for Richard, but I'm going to guess, you know, he's with me on this. It, it, it hits in the right spots and work so well that it's, it was, e- it was very easy for me to bypass whatever logic flaws or, or really even questions that I might have in that setting because I was so into, okay, can he get this message through? Is this going to work? The pace is up, all that sort of thing. I thought it was very well. Uh, I thought he handled that um, much smoother than most films do because i mean i've seen that trope i've seen that done many times before lots and lots of movies and tv shows and whatnot have gotten into the time travel aspect the old thing archive how, of the past trope well but like how it loops <laughs> back on itself like in that that's a i think that's a very common thing i mean harry yeah. potter does yeah. that in one of the one of the harry potter films and it's always tricky because if you if you start spinning off in the wrong direction it unravels so fast I thought he did a really good job of making that as smooth as it can be without allowing 75% of the audience's brain to uh, 
focus on the wait a second how does this work because we can't we can't understand how that works and and that's that's i think that's part of the for me it was why it worked in that situation yeah, yeah it's 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 theoretical for a reason and right. so it's he does a good job both visually and narrative wise much like he did with inception by even though inception is much more comprehensible by at least the the logic of this planet and this right dimension even um but yeah these are like you know theoretical ideas about you know what what that could be what you know how time can actually be a physical tangible thing in other dimensions whereas with us it's it's you know something completely different that we experience completely differently and uh yeah yeah i thought he did as good a job as one could ever do um Mm -hmm. visually and 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 with throughout the narrative explaining that or at least showing it um uh, you could you could probably have you know Carl Sagan explain it better, but then sure. it'd be a really boring PBS <laughs> show. Um, I, I thought they did a, a pretty good job. So the act there, even though it's a weird, it's a crazy twist, and he's you know you're kind of wondering how he got there, how how it ties back to Earth, why that room, why is that the room, what set you know it's it's kind of a um, chicken and the egg thing first. Did he go on the mission first? Or was he predestined to go on the mission? You know what I mean? Uh, right. So where does – it's obviously a cycle, circle, but where does the circle start? You know, you start doing yeah. that thing. Time um, is a flat circle. Exactly. But time <laughs> is a flat circle. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought – I didn't have a problem with it like you did, Ken. I, 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 I certainly can understand why you would though. It's not it's – Yeah, not a, I only – it only messed up to me because the fact that when he's in the archive of his past or – or whatever it's called, uh, he's in the room with his daughter in there. So it's like he, uh, I could understand if he was coming to her from the future to tell her not to do something or something, but then he's, but he's in the past. So he's looking in the past, not into the future. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The time loop thing is what is what's holding you up, and I would imagine other other viewers as well. And I, you know, it just I'm didn't with- seem like that part. Like so much, of, so much. Uh, the rest of the movie, the 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 distance traveled and uh, and the effects or the difference between the distance they travel and the distance time that passes on Earth. I I think that's all based on you know, of course, fact. I didn't feel like the archive of the past. Yeah. storyline was based on any type of real theoretical uh thing they were it hinting at the multi-dimensional at thing. multi-dimensional theory which is like basically on earth there could be another dimension that exists right now in this same space that we're in that we just can't see and our senses our senses aren't built uh aren't aware of it like the same like if a, if a spider doesn't have ears a spider will never know that sound even exists mm-hmm. because he doesn't have, he doesn't know you can't tell uh I understand that, but I didn't understand how that connects from one universe to our universe. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like he was reaching his own bedroom from another universe. Right. Uh, and it, that, that's it, what confused me. I don't, and I, and I'll, I'll say this. I don't, I don't know that you're, I don't know that it's sure that you're supposed to understand it so much as, as just go with it, I guess. And, and so because of that, I get why you can't do it, you know, or, or, or certain yeah. viewers can't, can't get there. It's like but some I, of the stuff they explain and it makes so much sense. It's like, Oh yeah, right. of course, of course. If you, if you travel, you know, an hour on this 
at this speed, uh, seven years go by on Earth. That makes sense. Right. But then it's all of a sudden he's in a hall of his a hall of his halls, you know, and it, and it was just like where what happened between sure. me understanding what was going on and this happening, you know, it just, it was like two different things were happening. Uh, this, this crazy spiritual world. And then this yeah. scientific no, world, does that make I, sense? I totally get that. I totally get that. Like how now you see film... me could have done, could have been all, <laughs> it could have been, you know, card tricks, legit magic tricks or just stuff that, yeah, like flying no. in a bubble. That like what? But I think it's supposed to be something. There's some parable to that, though, of bridging the gap yes. between the metaphysical and and science in a way, and in in explaining that you know neither are 100 percent correct in their current understanding, but they kind of work together to solve this sure. issue. I think that's that's purposeful and and, and kind of um, sometimes a little silly at how uh, pur- purposeful and obvious they try to make that, but. Um, I think that's definitely the uh, the thing. The only issue I had I had with that is actually different, Kent. And I, I did have one issue with it is that he is able to communicate right with the with the daughter. So he's he's kind of behind that bookshelf at least in some sort of you know uh, kind of spirit way or something. Yet he's still able to talk on his walkie talkie to the computer mm-hmm, in right. a whole different yeah universe. That was like to me that was like the one part he he kind of talked it out with Tars. I don't know. I, I feel like that would have been the one thing maybe I, I didn't do, but because uh, I was just that made it confusing as to, you know, but like I said, if I guess if he's in the hole between each side of the piece of paper, then he right. could touch both sides of the piece of paper. I guess that that makes right. sense there. And it's very easy for me. And this is just how my brain works. So, I you know, I admit that. But if you can if you tell me. They're in the fifth dimension. I don't understand the fifth dimension, so you can pretty much tell me this is how the fifth dimension works, and I'm like, okay, I'm with that. As long as I'm still um, actively invested in the movie and you're not like doing things that 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 go against that or pull me out of that or, or violate whatever rules I feel like you've set up, which I didn't feel like they really set up any rules for the fifth dimension, then I'm I'm pretty much – I'm okay with okay. I'll just go with it, you know. And I know that I'm. That's not everybody, and so so be it. But I that I think that was, I think that was like that that moment of of going from uh, science fact or science theory into full metaphysical theory and and all that sort of stuff. I think it was almost like an invitation from Nolan of like, okay, you've come this far. Now will you go one step further? And and obviously, a quarter of the crowd can't do that, you know. And that's fine. That's the way it goes. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I thought the production design was was really good mm-hmm. here. So I, I will commend Mr. Nolan for that. Some of this is just so, so ambitious. It's such yeah. a risk. Some of this stuff that he puts in this movie. It's it's most impressive that he went some certain directions with mm-hmm. this. I mean, to include Topher Grace in a movie is just. <laughs> I mean, you're risking it all. By... <laughs> Is it bad that I've always kind of liked Topher Grace? Yeah, I've got no, I've got no beef with uh, with Topher Grace. No, I know that's a fun. I know because we all chuckled when he showed up. That's yeah. No, he has a it. terrible career, but like sometimes I don't always feel like he deserves it. Like I'm not saying he should be a movie star, but I because he does. He has a terrible career, but every time I see him, he's he's totally capable. It's just kind of it's odd. Trying to think who to compare him to. I'll, I'll, I'll think on that for a minute. I don't know. Everyone on that 70s show's cast, basically. <laughs> yeah, but to me, he's like so much more subtle and better than like a Kucher. 
Yeah. Like, I don't know. He's just kind of, he's capable of being kind of a that guy film actor, which there's certainly nothing wrong with, whereas Kuchar's just kind of always the Kuch. Yeah. Obviously, you haven't seen any of Danny Masterson's latest work. No, I don't know. <laughs> no. Either has Danny Masterson. <laughs> so I like Jessica Chastain. I, I think the most sentimental scene in the movie for me was Casey Affleck showing McConaughey his child. Oh yeah, um, that was that, that was sequence. really good. What? That whole sequence was very uh, very heavy. I mean, like, for you right? probably Brian, because oh, your yeah. son's name yeah. is Cooper. I know, and I know. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that worked for you uh, quite well. But what did you think of Tars and Case? Clearly inspired <laughs> the design inspired by the obelisk in 2001 yeah. and sort of a combination of the obelisk and HAL 9000. Sure. So I appreciated I, that little homage. Yeah, I, I, I'll say like I was I was fully against them in the beginning and they swayed me. So I, I, I just felt like it was – I'm not sure the, the, the design on that was great because it looks – very odd for what we would expect a sci-fi movie robot to uh to look like so that was that was it was just a very it was a little bit off-putting at first but through the movie they 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 won me over it's it's a very simple design and uh with robots i think you always run the risk of overdoing it overthinking it sure so i admire the simplicity of the design yeah, uh, it could sure. have very easily become like lost in space sort of robot or, yeah. or, or black hole robot or whatever. Um, so I, that, I, I can honestly say I've never seen anything like that before, you know, yeah, done like that. didn't look like any robot I'd sure. seen. So. It was very simplistic. It just it, – it took me a second – or it took me a couple scenes to like get on board with it. But once I did, I, th- I thought they did – I thought they did a really good job of – I mean, that's something that's typically lacking from a Nolan film. If if you are looking for it, is is humor, and uh, I I felt like it brought just enough, and maybe 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 pushed a little too far, but I, I felt like there was enough humor yeah. there to kind of give uh, a slight break from all the intensity of this you know s- space stuff. That was probably my biggest issue with it. Is it was like so clearly kind of a oh we need to break this off. This yeah. is getting heavy, and it almost seemed like a. Like a producer was like, well, why not a fun robot? <laughs> it's just, you know, 90% sarcastic. And like they even kind of – it was almost like a knowing joke, like almost sure. like a meta commentary on having the funny talking robot in there because um, they like program it sense of humor level and, uh, you know, like sassy level or something. It was, I was kind of right. like, oh, gosh. Uh, that was probably actually my biggest issue with the movie. It wasn't horrible. It didn't take me completely out of it. And right. it was a funny character. Like it was definitely served its purpose. But – to me, its purpose was a little like uh, cynical in a way. Um, but if, you know, I can get over that. There were two movies that were in my mind while watching Interstellar that I was sort of comparing it to. Uh, the now first. You see me? Oh, I already made that comparison. We compare every movie that I see. Yeah, but who, yeah, who doesn't? The movies were uh, Prometheus from uh, a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one of my favorite movies, and, and this movie narrowly missed my top ten of all time. Uh, another movie that also stars McConaughey in this, the same vein, um, Contact. Sure, I I love Contact. I think Contact really did the sense of we get a message from somebody that we don't know what it is, and we just need to find out what the heck who these people are type of thing. Uh, and 
I think the buildup in contact is just some of the best science fiction of all time. And like, like I said, the, how I was a little bit let down by the interstellar wormhole sequence, maybe because I've seen like 2001 and seen contact and those wormhole sequences are just crazy. <laughs> they're just, they're just sure. nuts. Um, so that's what I was comparing it to, but I also thought Prometheus did a good job of the suspense. Mm-hmm. Um, the sense of wonder of dis- the sense of discovery. Those were just the movies I compared to uh, sure. compared interstellar to. There, there's um, a lot so. of, of influences within yeah. this for sure. Um, and you know, but I think it does a really good job of bringing that all together. So let's move on to grades guys. I will give interstellar a B. It was a worthy science fiction film. It was not, uh, in my opinion, doesn't, I don't place this in the top, you know, science fiction films. Um, if, if I was to have a, make a list, it wouldn't be on the list, but it's not Nolan's best work, but it's, you know, midway there. I think it's dark Knight, maybe inception are still my favorites from him, but, um, solid B, uh, for me, right. Man, I'm going to go, I'm going to go straight a, and, uh, I'm going to be honest, like this could be, uh, this could end up on my top five or 10 of the, of the year. I I'm going to see it again and I'm, I'm, I'm really into it. So I'm, I'm glad there's definitely flaws. Uh, I think Nolan needs to invest in an editor. Um, I think Please. that was a major issue with, that was the major issue with dark Knight rises in my opinion, beyond not being able to understand Bane, but I I'm somebody who stands by dark Knight rises as well. So maybe I'm just a, a, a total no one fanboy. but there are definitely some things that, that need to be worked out here, but I felt like they are more than, than overwhelmed by the, the, the good stuff and the great stuff and the sequences that I haven't seen in a film in a really long time, if, if ever. So uh, it's, it's going to be an A for me and, and I'll be honest, there's a chance that, that creeps up a notch when final, you know, final end of the year sort of stuff rolls around. Richard. Yeah. I'm going to go solid A as well and echo everything Brian said. It's, it'll probably be on my list. The more I'm going to see it again as well. And this could, I, I, I don't, it'll be interesting. I'm either going to go kind of wait and I'll go down on it if I see it again, or I may, I can see myself kind of bumping it up to an A plus in the future. I really, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was I'm very, I'm, I got to admit, I'm very surprised you guys are so high on this. Yeah. No, I, it's, yeah, it's understandable. I, I'm not upset about it. I just find it very interesting that you guys are so into it. I love it. I love, uh, I love the debate. Sure. Let's just say that. I, and, uh, and like I said, I'm a B on it. You know, I'm 80% yeah. in. It's, it's just not- a little, you know, yeah. Uh, I, hopefully, I'll come around. Maybe a second viewing will do it for me. We'll see. Could be. I was a little bummed the space shuttle didn't have a Lincoln logo on the back. <laughs> <laughs> do we know for sure that it didn't? Uh, and we'll find out. Let's move on, guys. Let's hit a quick weekly recommend before we get out of here. Weekly recommend. Uh, Richard, go ahead. Sure, you know I'll make do. mine quick. I'm, yeah. uh, I'm reading the, uh, the uh, North American Treasure Martin Short book. Um, not too far into it, but it's already, I am like bellowing laughing and, uh, recommend it in audio form because he sings and does all the voices you know him for and all that. So use audible.com. I'll probably make that a weekly recommend at one point, but, uh, sure. just on, on its own, but it's, it's a great service, but this book is, I mean, this perform like he should, I'm sure he'll, he actually probably will win, uh, a Grammy for 
audio performance next year because it's uh, it's pretty incredible. It's so North American Treasure uh, uh, Martin Short, but he goes really deep in some stuff and he's very serious in a lot of it. And you don't really ever get to see serious Martin Short, so uh, it's uh, it's enjoyable. And then he you know he does bits too, so you know I love bits. But uh, I must say, by Martin Short, check it out. If, especially if you are into sort of the uh, the humor that we have on this podcast, uh, that's that's a hero of I think all three of ours growing up. So, uh, right. so uh, a common denominator there. Yeah, I must. If say. you're not into the humor of, of Martin Short, yeah, just, reevaluate. You know, we're done. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna recommend uh, a film that just made its way to Netflix this week. It's actually the first movie that we did uh, on the Mad About Movies podcast, oh, Django Unchained. Yeah. I saw it was on Netflix. Has made its way to Netflix. So, for the listener, if you haven't yet, watch Django Unchained and uh, listen to our very first podcasts. And it, yeah, it's it might be a funny experience for you. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's on iTunes anymore because it's it's quite old. So you're gonna have to go on our website and scroll all the way back for it. But it is there. And uh, it might be a fun experience for you, but if you haven't seen Django since 2012, which I haven't seen it since I saw it three times in the theater, um, <laughs> go back and watch it. Uh, I, I, I caught it on TV the other day and and watched the scene of this the standoff uh, in the streets at the bar scene is is greatness yeah. when they're trying when Christoph Waltz is giving up the warrant for Django. So mm-hmm. I uh, sure. I will really recommend that movie. And uh, really entertaining. And also, the second part recommend, listen to our podcast on it, because I haven't done it, but I'm sure it will be entertaining <laughs> to go back two years and see what we sounded like back Seriously. back when we were kids. Uh, I was, that's my recommend. Uh, before my sexual reassignment surgery, too. So yeah, totally really different weird. experience. Yeah, uh, yeah I think you've, you've, you've done a first year, Candy. I think you're the first to recommend a Mad About Movies podcast episode <laughs> as your weekly recommendation. So. <laughs> no, I recommend true? Django, but I just wanted to remind I'm gonna start doing that. that it was our first podcast. Uh, Listen to... I'm going to recommend our Transcendence pod. I was really funny on that one. <laughs> Brought a lot of good jokes this I don't table. remember. I don't think you did. I, I, I don't recall at all. No, I, I, um, I just wanted to say that because it's not on iTunes anymore. So a lot of our listeners probably wouldn't know that it even existed at this point. So, uh, yeah, Django Unchained, good movie. Uh, Br- Brian, what's your recommend? Yeah, I'm going to recommend a TV series that uh, I've Bones. talked about before, Bones. Uh, it's like <laughs> eight seasons on Netflix, uh, and you can hate watch it with me. No, um, I did a commentary track actually. No, um. I'm going to recommend uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I've been had a lot of time to watch oh. movies lately. But uh, I had racked like six episodes of S.H.I.E.L.D. because I was re-watching the first season before I jumped back into the second season. And I've watched, I think, four of them now. And uh, it's it's gotten really good. Um, it, it's always been fun. And I think, uh, you know, kind of an enjoyable break from the heavier tv that i watched it, it definitely took a turn when captain america 2 came out because it, it it stayed in in tune with with that same sort of darker narrative during that section and in the second season they've introduced some new characters which is always a really really iffy thing but i think they pulled it off very well it seems like it's kind of found itself um and and done some i don't know there there was like the third episode i was texting a buddy who who also watches and just like this has gotten really good all of a sudden it's gone from something i really enjoy to something that um i think is is also very good on top of being highly enjoyable so uh definitely check out shield i'm i'm really bummed that it's not on netflix yet that seems like the perfect sort of show 
to be on Netflix to get people caught up and, and move into the, the new episodes. But maybe uh, maybe sometime soon they'll they'll get that figured out. But it's it's worth catching up on and and uh, checking up the second season as well. Awesome, good to hear. Well, Brian, where can I find you online? You can find me on the Twitter at bgill12. And you can find my writing at cambabiesdrinkredbull.com. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Richard Gardner. You can find me on the Thought Catalog. Kent, where can I find you? On Twitter at Kent Garrison. And find all of our sh- episodes online at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. And uh, contact the show on there. And if you like what you hear, head on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And on that note, until next time, we will see you at the cinema. Bye. Bye. Bye.